Scott. Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below That's the surface. Right. Yeah, we're going to, we watched Let the Right One In, which is a political documentary about the <laughs> <laughs> It's actually not that. It's not that. I'm not sure which of those would be more horrific, but <laughs> this is pretty bad. Oh, so, yeah. So, uh, this is one bleak movie. I, I picked it, and I picked it thinking, you know, this is going to be interesting to talk about evil, and it will be interesting to talk about evil. <laughs> but, man, is this bleak. So, if you have not seen this movie, it's bleak. It's a, Buckle up. Buckle up. It's <laughs> 2008 Swedish movie. Um, I had the name of the director. I think it's Alfredson, if I remember right. Um, but it's in, yeah, Tomas Alfredson. Okay. And uh, the writer of the screenplay is the one who wrote a novel uh, with the same name. And... Um, you know, I have not read it. I don't know that I plan to read it. Um, no. I think, have you read any of those Swedish, it seems like there was a little wave of Swedish books, you know, with like oh. the girl with the dragon tattoo and, and well, way uh, before that ones. I read maybe smell a sense of snow. I think that was Swedish or, and I read a couple others cause you know, the Scandinavian or whatever detective novels were all the thing. And they were just all like this. So bleak. And I mean, Super good movie for what it's talking about, but the atmosphere is so bleak and yet at the same time so beige. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was really Swedish. Um, right. It just must be something about their cultural outlook that, you know, they're not doing all the jolly books. They're doing things that are contemplative, quiet, horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who can't sleep ever, so he's like this. He's yeah. the detective yeah. or, you know, this whole situation where... Oh, poor Oscar. Yeah, poor Oscar. <laughs> anyway. No question. But yeah, it's uh, so it came out in 2008, like I said, but it is set in 1982. So, I don't um, think I caught that at the time. Yeah, and I remember uh, something that cemented that. There was a uh, one point where someone was listening to a news story. And um, I believe Brezhnev was in power. <laughs> oh. They mentioned Brezhnev, so... Um, yeah, they, you know, everybody's living in these concrete apartment buildings. Um, they're brutalist. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, you know, functional and utilitarian, style, know, utilitarian, yeah. but not, uh, there's, it's functional. Everything's functional. And, mm -hmm. and it just seems so cold, you know, you're actually cold watching this show because not only is outside cold, but even when they're inside, they're still wearing thick sweaters and, um, it just seems cold all the time. Yeah. The and only that may place, have been a director choice, yeah. Yeah, well, the only place that seemed at all warm and friendly was the local pub slash restaurant, maybe. Whatever yeah, that place yeah. was where the people were. But yet the people themselves seemed to be huddling together for companionship and warmth. Mm -hmm. I mean, there wasn't a community. And I know that we talk about that a lot. But in this movie, what you see are so many uh, examples of isolation. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I think, you know, it's the perfect movie to pick for Halloween hmm. when we're thinking about what is evil. Yeah. And of course, All Hallows Eve, Halloween is attached to All Saints Day, which comes on November the 1st. And you think about the difference in what we're seeing here 
you, you can't achieve anything positive in this environment, personally or mm. at school or, you know. And if you're somebody like Oscar, poor little Oscar, which I guess we should tell the story. Sure. You, you're really um, kind of a sacrificial lamb in a way. Mm. Although no one's specifically doing that, I suppose. But you're just, you're innocent and you're set up to be a victim. Yeah, and this kid especially. I mean, his parents mm -hmm. are split, it looks like. Um, mm -hmm. And he's he's just very alone. Um just, you know, in, in a city full of people, but just alone. Um, but he, you know, it's all snowy and freezing cold. He goes outside, he's by himself. And, um, you know, it's not like everybody's out playing on the monkey bars or whatever you call them. <laughs> Nobody's out there, you know, he's just out there. And um, yeah, he's just, it was sad from the beginning, just him. And the very first time we see him is the very first scene of the movie where he yeah. is witnessing uh, two people moving in. An older person and a, and a girl are moving into an apartment kind of across the way. And, well, actually, I'm sorry, next door. And um, when he walks up, the, the, the movie's full of these really nice shots. He, he walks up, and all, what you're seeing is his reflection in a window. You don't even see his body. It's like he's a ghost. Yeah. You know, just this ghostly presence, and it's like sets the mood for that character for the whole show. He's just alone. Um, and I just well, got that feeling immediately. Yeah. And it's interesting because, okay, so when somebody's introduced, you know, your first look at them kind of gives you a sense of what you're being told about that character. And he has got a knife mm -hmm. and he's saying, squeal, pig, squeal, well, I'll cut you, you know, <laughs> and uh, put your nose up, all the things, and you're just like, what is wrong with this kid? Yeah, yeah. You realize later what's going on, but um, it's very, it's definitely not healthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we want to get into spoiler territory pretty quick, but if uh, if anybody wants to watch this bleak film... <laughs> we'll, yeah, we've really sold it. Yeah, we've really sold it. It, it is brilliant, though, um, I thought... I thought that it was shot really well. Oh, it's um, beautiful. There is so many incredible scenes. Um, and it does have a lot to say about evil. So there's, there's me selling it. Um, yeah. Well, and yeah, so the super brief story now that mm -hmm. we've, you know, made everybody feel like creepy about it because <laughs> it is kind of creepy and lonely and everything is, yep. you know, there's this boy, Oscar, he's 12 years old at school. He has no friends and he's bullied. Mm -hmm. And then when he's out on the playground uh, at night in the snow, a 12-year-old girl shows up. And she's the girl who moved in next to him. And they start bonding over puzzles and Morse code, mm -hmm. things like that that are fun that they both like. Yep, yep. And um, then he's interested. You know, he's basically, he's just old enough to not really, he hasn't hit puberty, but he understands girlfriends and boyfriends. And, you know, he's talking about liking her and she says, I'm not a girl. Yeah. And of course, later you find out she's a vampire. She doesn't tell him till mm. later he figures it out, but it's that, um, so that's the whole setup for the whole movie, essentially. Um, there are some other things going on, but right. Yeah. So, um, but she is a vampire, like you said, and um, yeah, the the movie just moves forward. You know, the person that's with her, the older man, is a familiar. You know, Renfield oh, that's such a from good way Dracula. To put it, right? Yeah, 
He's uh, he he's a familiar. He does things for her. Like you know, the first thing we see him doing is boarding. Well, cardboarding up the windows so it won't be light in there. So mm-hmm. so we're in comfortable territory for those of us who have seen a vampire movie or two or have read Dracula. We yeah. know that she doesn't want to be in the light, um, and we know that she's got to have someone helping her out. I think the funny thing too is that watching this, I don't know that I felt this way when I watched it the first time, but this time around. I thought, you know, if you didn't know already, you would think he's the vampire mm. until you see her chewing him out later. <clears throat> right. Literally. I think so. You know, but he would have funny methods for a vampire. It'd be like, well, that's true. You know, it's like, you know, let's, yeah. Cause one of the first things we see him do after that boarding cardboarding up is, um, going to get her some blood by, um, right. finding someone, you know, in the forest, <laughs> Just like this forest right in the middle of town, and um, he's just right out there and in plain sight, practically. I mean, he's trying to. It's just late, you know. He's just in, under yeah. cover of darkness, is all, and he um, knocks this person out with some laughing gas or whatever that was, and you know this gas mm-hmm. that, and then turns him upside down and uh, cuts the throat and collects the blood to bring it home, and. He's clearly done it before, right? Because he's got a mm-hmm. kit. He's got right. a coat. He's very practiced. He's very practiced. But at the same time, he just seems clumsy. Um, he just doesn't seem all together, you know? Yeah, he didn't check out the scene. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, for one thing, this is one of those forests that you see, I guess, in movies. I've seen them. Mm. They're super sparse. There's no undergrowth. They're just all these stick-like trees growing birches or whatever they are and so and it's near enough to a populated area that you know somebody's walking to the dog and the dog's like well i smell something interesting and just sits and watches him and he's like go away go go away well then he's got to run and he leaves some of his kit behind and um you know it's yeah. that's and yeah it's an early look at the fact that he's not the vampire and then later on he's similarly clumsy and mm. so you feel like and of course, spoiler territory to the max. Um, <laughs> what you feel like is he's been this way for a while. Yeah, yeah. And she's decided, I've got to get rid of him. Right. And that that's something that um, this movie does quite a bit, is it leaves a lot to, to the viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that character, uh, for example... We have no idea how long he's been with her. You know, was he 12 too when they met? Was he an adult when they met? You know, it's it's just not said. So it's like, um, you know, but, you you know, there's, he he likes her a lot. (laughs) Well, he's jealous. Yeah, right. He says, tonight, do something Mm -hmm. for me. Don't meet that boy on the playground. Don't meet that boy. And she just looks at him. Yeah. It's like, you know, if he met her when he was an adult, is he like a pedophile or something? Or yeah. or was he 12 when he met her and fell in love with her and like mm-hmm. like our character here did, like Oscar, and then mm-hmm. lived his whole life and this is Oscar's fate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's just not stated, but, you know, I know I certainly felt like, yeah, this is Oscar's fate. He's going to be... Yeah. He's going to be 60 someday, you know, whatever this guy's age was, 60, 70 years old. And he's going to be fumbling around and then he's going to need to be gotten rid of, you know. And I feel like that she, however young, she did recruit him very young. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's why she he's worried about her being interested in Oscar. Yeah. And I also think it's why he's real clumsy about some stuff. Not the 
not the killing people. I think I think he's just starting to lose it, frankly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or he was just never as good as he could be, and now they're in a populated area or something. Yeah, for but sure. um, I feel like he didn't. If he had been older, he would have known more, and there would have been a different rapport. She wouldn't mm-hmm. have just been yelling at him, and he's like, oh, "Sorry." <laughs> Yeah. You know, I just felt like that's somebody who never was allowed to become mature, really. And maybe that's just through their relationship. She's always been the dominant one. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that she would be. Me. And she would be, you know, and, and that's the thing. This movie lets you bring that to it. It's like there's just a lot that's not said. And um, you just, it's just like, I think this is what's going on. <laughs> you know, I think, it, you know, it just leaves it wide open. Um, I just find that really interesting because... Um, you know, poking around on the internet, I can find people that uh, called this a romance. Which is so disturbing. It is. It is very. Um, and I think it's interesting to note that this came out the same year as Twilight. <laughs> you know, oh. it was the same year. So here, you know, I've always felt like Twilight when I, I read that book because, mm-hmm. you know, my kids were reading it. And I thought, you know, back then yeah. I, I'd read a lot of the stuff that they read. Me too. I did that kind of thing yeah. too. Yeah. And um, Twilight, I didn't. I did not like it. Um, I didn't read past it, but I, I didn't like it. It felt to me like an abusive relationship. It was like yes, she was with a person that uh, could tear her apart at any moment, and that was the tension between them, and that was his draw. And I just was super uncomfortable by that. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, did it capture a lot of uh, imaginations, you know. A lot of people just love that book and love, you know, just love the relationship, you know. That's interesting because, you know, it was fan fiction that became Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm. And think about how that just takes that and pushes it further into more deviancy mm. as yeah. representing love. Wow. Yeah. I know very little so, about that, just a little bit. but I just know a little bit, but, you know... Um, I had somebody, a hairdresser at one point talk to me going, oh, and I had my pastor's wife read this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, because it's really showing love, but the guy doesn't know how to show it. And I was like, no, no, this <laughs> is so wrong. Do not make these excuses. And I think taking back to what started us on this, I've seen this also called a beautiful, innocent love story. And people think it's a horror movie, but it's not. And what I think has happened in that point um, is that they have been seduced by Ely, exactly. just the same way Oscar is, because I myself would be on her side until I'd be jerked back into reality. You're like, well, she's an innocent, pretty, appealing young girl. And you're like, oh, poor thing. Is she going to get away? And then you're just going, oh, no, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I yeah. don't want her to get away. Right. Because she's horrible. And isn't isn't that like postmodernism? <laughs> yeah. I mean it it just is. It's like you take what it is we know and then you tear it apart, you know, and you give it another look and you it's like um that's just the modern world. I mean, in a nutshell, it's like we're looking at this person, she is a killer. She is killing people to stay alive, you know? And she's not, um, she's we're monster. forgetting that. Yeah. And we're forgetting that. Yeah, She's not human. Yeah. And, and when you watch this, I mean, you can you can watch this and and think, oh, this is really something. These these two kids, you know, how touching this is. And she but if you so if you realize it, that she is manipulating him completely oh. at every moment. Right. Yes. She is taking him over and it is not beautiful. It is well, horrifying. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and going back to you know you're talking about postmodernism, which is totally true. This man is a beautiful love story, and all these people agreeing, and I was like, Ugh. but the other thing I think that shows is how easy it is to be seduced when evil has a pleasing form. Absolutely, yeah. Because that's why we're naturally predisposed to want to help the underdog, want you know, pretty young girl. Oh, she's in trouble. Um, she mm-hmm. seems weak and helpless, even though we know she's not. And watching this movie, I knew all this. And so I wasn't caught as many times by the emotional stuff. But the emotional stuff is where it gets you. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's where the devil's waiting, if I can say it. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know? For sure. And the little steps that are taken. Right. right. Just little things. Doing yeah. the Rubik's Cube. You know, here's mm-hmm. this thing. Here's this thing. Yeah. And her kind of pushing him away at the beginning, you know, saying we can't be friends or whatever. It's because she didn't need him right then. Right. The moment that she needed him, she changed. Yeah. Then she's stripping off and getting in the bed going, I'm just so cold. It's just another another clue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like this, you know, so I was looking up, you know, evil catechism and things like that. Um, Evil is the lack or privation of a good that should be present in a thing. It's, um, I, I think that that's amazing. So that's not a quote from the catechism, I don't believe. Um, it's from this website that I'm looking at that uh, refers to the catechism later. But mm-hmm. I think this this show shows that perfectly. Oh, what, yeah. what does she lack, right? It's like there's something missing from her that should be present in her, and it's not. And um, I think yeah. that that's a very intriguing definition of evil. So it's like the absence of a good. It's it's, um, and I'm pretty sure Augustine sort of mm-hmm. uh, had that view, and um, possibly Aquinas oh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just this idea that you know, well, God creates, and everything God creates is good, but there's something missing. There's something missing from what's evil, right? It's, it, yeah, it's taking good and it's twisting it so it's not good anymore. Right. So um, here she is using the tools of good, right, to manipulate mm-hmm. him who is also in need into yes. believing that this is good. Yeah, he needs a friend. Yep, yep. And it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. It, yeah. Yeah. It, and... Look how strong her thrall is, the emotional tie, because when the older guy, who I don't think we ever hear his name, he is nameless. I don't remember. Let's, we'll call him um, Renfield. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Although yes, Renfield, Renfield had, uh, he, he was, he was uh, much more he interesting. He was redeemed. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and also yeah. he was redeemed at the end by fighting for Mina. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Dracula kills him. Right. Yep. But this guy has got no redemption. And in fact, it's so strong that he's tried to burn his face off with acid. So he's not recognized when he's caught with that kid who luckily he didn't kill. And he's in the hospital and he's got, I guess, a respirator in because he's he's messed up. And he goes to the window and she wants to come in, but he can't say the words. And later, I think it's later, we see how important it is that the words are said, mm-hmm. not just a gesture. It has to be fully said. Think about the faith. Think how many, what, how we have to affirm. Yes. Amen. That's exactly it. Body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. You know, um, 
you have to say it. And it's like confession. Mm -hmm. Saying it matters. And so um, he opens the window and leans out to her. And she's mm-hmm. got this sweet smile on her face. And then she just, of course, you know, drinks everything and throw, he falls to the ground and way down. And yeah. it's just, um, it's just, it's chilling isn't the right word. <laughs> it's just so inhuman. Yes. But it made me think again about the idea that what do we sacrifice this man is sacrificing him whole, his whole self to the vampire. Our God sacrifices himself for us. Absolutely. Sacrificed himself. Mm-hmm. And we can eat him. Yeah. It's the exact opposite again. Right, right. And um, <clears throat> something that I've been thinking about is, you know, about free will. <clears throat> and it seems like that initial step, you know, you have to invite the vampire in. Mm-hmm. That's free will. And then I don't know after that. In this case, you know, does that, did that man have free will or was she in control of him? Um, and, and same with Oscar, you know, again. Oh, I think they had free will. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's just is something I've been thinking about. You know, if there is a mystical power there, you know, does she have a hold on them? Um, is it simple manipulation or is there something else there? Yeah. And you, you're right. Cause this is another thing we're not told, although I feel like they have to have free will. Yeah. You so in, in yeah, I, I I think so. At least initially, you know, they, there's mm-hmm. no doubt that they made the choice first, right? But maybe to hold on to them, they're not able to leave. I'm just conjecture. You know, how did it work? How did it work for Dracula? It seemed that Renfield had some supernatural assistance. <laughs> you know, in the stuff that he was doing. I mean, he collected flies and. Well, you have to um, look at Lucy. Mm-hmm. He had to attack Lucy when she was asleep. She, when she was awake, she wouldn't have gone to him. Mina, even when she, although she, you know, she was attacked against her will mm-hmm. and um, fought him the whole time she could. Now, so that's Dracula, but this is, of course, different. Um, but I was thinking about it in terms of, let's look at Oscar at the end. Um, if she, he had turned his free will over to her when he says, come in then she wouldn't have needed to save him at the swimming pool. He would have just gone off with her then. Good point. Yep. She had to save him from those bullies, and he then felt this rush of gratitude and love and thanks, and she's the only one looking out for him. And then it's two kids together, and they're good friends because she's they're doing the Morse code through the suitcase. Yeah, through the suitcase, right. Yeah. And um, it's, I think, see, the, to me, <clears throat> there's also a very interesting parallel with the bullies. She's manipulating him through emotion and kindness. The bullies are being horrible to him. But when you look at the bully, the main bully and his little cadre of friends, the two friends are not very comfortable as the, as the attacks intensify. One of them becomes influenced, obviously, and he doesn't mind. He, he lures Oscar to the pool. He lures the teacher away, all the things. And he helps, and he doesn't seem to mind when, uh, until Oscar's being held under the water, and then he's like, no, I'm out of here. The one who we can look at, though, and see is struggling is the little boy with the blonde hair. He's almost crying when he's whipping his legs, when he's whipping <laughs> Oscar's legs. Yep, he is. He's really visibly upset when the older boy is there, and they're doing stuff at the pool, and he, uh, and even um, to dump him into the water outside when they're all skating. 
so Swedish. And let's, let's, it's frozen over. Let's take the school outside and go skating. Um, but, and then at the pool, he doesn't leave. He's not strong enough for that, but he goes over to the benches and starts covering his eyes and kind of crying a little. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one left alive. And he witnessed that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> he hopefully just, he was still crying and rocking I back hope and forth. So. But, yeah. mm-hmm. but so looking at those bullies, there are varying degrees of manipulation being forced into helping and an amount of free will being exercised. So it's kind of an interesting, it's not a mirror, but it's another person who is manipulating people, although manipulating might not be the right word, but, you know, very strongly forcing his will upon them. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there are degrees. And I think with the vampire, there are also degrees because think, well, I guess the woman didn't invite her in, the, the good person who's, or the adult the adult who can choose for herself because she's had moral formation. <laughs> yeah. The kid can't. Yeah. Talk about that. So, the, yeah. So there's a, the group of people who are friends who I mentioned before, they, we see them, they're usually having drinks in the, the local tavern or whatever, but they're being attacked by the, the girl vampire when she can't get her, her guy to get her blood right, or he's gone. And so they're being preyed upon and um, they know something's wrong. They're not sure what. And the woman is out by herself and she gets attacked by the girl vampire who somebody's nearby, her boyfriend, I guess. And he beats the girl off, but she's not killed. Mm. And so the next day she wakes up after a night of feeling awful and her hand is in the sunlight on the bed and her finger starts to smoke. And she wakes up and she's like, what's wrong? And then she's looking at the bandage on her neck and she's kind of sniffing the blood like, oh no, this smells good. And so she doesn't know what's going on, but she's quickly getting the hints of what's going on. And then she shows up to the friend who has all the cats. Mm. If you ever want to see some heroic cats, <laughs> these are the best cats oh. in the world. I mean, they just act oh, like cats, man. but they're, they don't like evil and they're they not having not. any of it. Yeah. yeah. And so she is <laughs> on i have never seen a cat bite a leg like that oh, i can say it was just so these cats full-on attack and this guy's got like 10 or 15 cats and they get her out of there and take her to the hospital and she has to be strapped down and because she's just out of her mind but at that point she kind of regains reason and tells her boyfriend when he's in there kill me mm. please kill me i was infected by whatever's wrong with that little girl and um, so you feel like he knows what she's going to do because he's just sitting in the hallway in the morning, leaning over, kind of on, leaning on his knees, just looking unhappy. And she asks the, because uh, they're going to unstrap her and let her go. You seem a lot better now. And I'm yeah. like, look at her. <laughs> she looks terrible. Oh, man. Yeah. And I'm like, no, don't do it. And then she says, could you open the blinds? And it's full on sun. And she just gets this big smile on her face and kind of arches into it and then just bursts into fire. But she understands. She fights evil with everything she has. She understands what happens to her. She knows she won't be able to control herself. And she is not going to be that. Yeah. So she's not committing suicide, really, Mm -hmm. because what she's doing is just going, here's the natural order of things. 
I can't take the sun. Mm-hmm. Let put the sun on me. Yep, and she's preventing other deaths. Yeah, she has a full adult understanding. She's not the greatest person in the world. She's just regular. But that guy, that older guy who was draining the victims, had zero of that. Now he could mm-hmm. have been in her thrall for so long. He just all he could think of was her. She's his world. Um, but where's Oscar going to get that? His mother seems to always be at work and there's a few little scenes where mm-hmm. they're getting along great, you know, but they're very short times. And when he goes to see his father, his father at first gives him all his attention. Oh, but man, then when he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then when he goes after he attacked the kid and he gets sent to his father, then there's another guy there. Oh yeah. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And he quits paying attention to his kid altogether and just starts drinking with his friend. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. So, I mean, he had nobody, man, just nobody. And his mom was yelling at him. Yep. And he, he was protecting himself. (laughs) He did hit that dude pretty hard though with that stick. That was shocking. Just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Well, he'd been mentally toying with the idea of stabbing someone. I know it. Yeah. Because he'd been, I think he'd been driven to feeling that way. And he had that creepy uh, scrapbook. Hmm. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. putting in the newspaper articles. Mm-hmm. So, because um, what I was thinking about, too, is when Eli says, oh, you have to fight back. You have to be stronger than they are. Stand up, and then they'll leave you alone. Do you think she was giving him good advice, or do you think this was another way to... Well, I think everything she her? did was manipulation. So, whatever it was was going to help her. So, mm. um, she was trying to... Um, she may have been giving what she thought was good advice that would help because she helping would help her mm-hmm. or she knew that uh, it was going to lead to something worse that she could take care of. And then she would have him. So she was kind of just shifting the power somehow to see what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all I can say is that whatever she did, she did for herself. Yes. There was no other reason. It wasn't for him. No question. That, that yeah. much I know. <laughs> Yeah. And well, every, and I, every, every action she takes, you can see that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm 12, though I haven't been 12 for a very long time. Right. Right. And she's kind of almost worse than somebody who was adult and a vampire who might actually know how to think. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, she's very good at what she does, obviously. But I think also she kind of was frozen in a way at 12. So that's also maybe why she's preying on him. Yeah, possibly. And, she understands him. Yeah, I and don't I know. think I think that you know um, what he could hear through the wall, like when she was yelling at that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, her tone was different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it that's was, true. It was like you know she's she's grown up mentally. That's um, very. But true. she was letting him have it. You know, just you know, you're worthless and all this other stuff that she was saying, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, what what good are you anyway? You know. Um, no, you're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Mhm. So, yeah. So some of the some of the scenes that I thought were incredible. I mean that I I loved the scene and I remember when I first saw it, it I just, you know, surprised me, you know. So she goes into the hospital to find out where her familiar what room he's in. Mm-hmm. And then um goes back outside, you know, she's got bare feet in the snow. And then the, the nurse says, oh, that poor kid, and goes outside. Yeah. And uh, behind <laughs> her, the kid is climbing up the, the wall 
Just like She's Dracula, incredibly right? high up. <laughs> Just like Dracula, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that reminded me of that, you know, with, uh, uh, was it, wasn't, didn't Harker see him crawl down the wall or something Yeah. on the outside yeah. of the castle? Just came out, no shoes on, just <clears throat> right head down. Yep. Goes right down. Yeah. So that was cool. And then, um, the unforgettable scene in the water of the pool uh, where uh. he's being held down by a bully. This is Oscar being held down by a bully for... If you could only hold your breath for three minutes, I will let you go or not hurt you as bad is really what he said. Yeah. And then um, as he's like at his limit, then stuff just starts to happen. And, and, <laughs> and isn't that, you know, we talked about this during Jaws, how not seeing what's happening was actually more effective. I can't yeah. imagine that scene being more effective. I can't imagine CGI or whatever the heck they could do to show us what happened up there being any worse than that. Because weren't uh, like feet running backwards super fast across the water or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it was, he didn't really know what was going on and he was mostly unconscious at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, just even even the first time that we saw her, he's, uh, Oscar is out next to the monkey bars or whatever you call those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's sitting there and he can feel somebody watching him. So he turns around and she's like standing on the top. So she came out of nowhere and she's standing on top. And when she jumped off of that thing, it felt to me like she was falling slower than she should. Right. I I, I don't know for sure, but it felt to me like that was, you could tell immediately that something wasn't right with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's just my imagination or if they actually did something there to make that look a little bit unnatural. Mm-hmm. But if they did, the director did it perfectly. Um, what a great choice not to make it over the top, but just slightly wrong, you know, slightly not normal. <laughs> and then yeah, I'm just like, whoa. Me- yeah. You make me think of a scene where I was looking at it. They were also outside, and that might have been that same scene. She's barefoot. Yeah. And she puts her foot on him somewhere. Uh-huh. Or almost close to him. And the ice, the snow crystals are all over her toes, the bottom of her toes. Yeah. They would melt on a They're normal person's melting. foot. Yeah, yep. And it's very subtle. So good. You have to be looking for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing details, but what what amazing choices? Oh, you know, yeah. I, I was thinking too. You know, we saw a Swedish film. Um, it was the Phantom Carriage, and oh, yeah. uh, you know that was also bleak. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't as bleak <laughs> as this one, but um, you know, uh, I mean, I remember when we talked about that movie. It was, it was, um, I don't know, seen as a precursor to so many other things. Yeah. Um, like a Ingmar famous, Bergman. yeah, Ingmar Bergman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this Swedish thing is something. Yeah, although his was more it, because it was silent movies and so long ago, it was a more straightforward telling, and we kind of understood it. We'd already seen a Christmas Carol, so we kind of had the vibe of the thing. But yeah, yes, it yeah. was quite bleak. The things mm-hmm. that were happening to those families were real. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why we feel this so strongly is we understand bullying. Mm. Uh, We understand poor Oscar's loneliness and just wanting a friend. And he is so sweet and innocent, really. I mean, aside from the, you know, carrying the knife and everything. 
Um, and I was just thinking of something too, speaking of scenes, you know, when we first see the familiar trying to kill the person and he's hanging him upside down from a tree, he's, he's basically bleeding him into, you know, a, a container. And what I thought of was I've read, you know, Little House books and various other books about life on farms and things. That's what they do to a pig to bleed them before mm. they butcher them. They slit their throat and they hang them upside down so all the blood comes out. Oh, so that goes along mm. with Oscar saying squeal pig and having the knife and everything and the, him being called a pig. Interesting. That kind of reinforces that for me. Yeah. The parallel between and, and what yeah, and what comes to my mind with pigs is um Christ throwing the demons into pigs mm. and off the cliff they go. Mm-hmm. Um that's the image that comes to my head. I hadn't thought of that. But um not sure how it's related, but <laughs> he certainly yeah. ran off the cliff. Oscar did. <laughs> well, Oscar yeah. did. So did that guy. He so did the guy right yeah. off the cliff. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And so poor Oscar at the end, you know, he's envisioning a really wonderful life with his friend and they're doing the, the Morse code. Hmm. Um, and I think what I read somewhere is that she's doing the Morse code for kiss and he's doing it back for like kind of a, a sweeter name for <laughs> kiss, like sweet little kiss or something like that. And it's just so achingly sad mm. and horrible. Yeah, even even the kiss they shared, I think, showed um, how Oof. emotionless she was. I mean, she had blood on her for one thing, right? Oh. But her yeah. eyes were wide open and she was like searching and it wasn't like an innocent... Um, what a great job this actress did, by the way. <laughs> um, but it, it wasn't an innocent, you know, what's he doing while I'm doing it? It was, it was like, is this having the effect that I want it to have? Yeah, it was calculating. Yeah. Almost, um, I was going to say like a cat on the big cat on the prowl, mm. which makes me think of the regular cats again. But Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and there's something about this movie where it is, I think we said already, completely secular. There is not a cross anywhere. No. No one yeah. even says, oh, my God. I mean, I think there's not even an acknowledgement that there is anything but this world. And so it's so hard for anyone to figure out what's going on. Now, a serial killer could do the same thing, and it would be very hard to figure out what's going on. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But they don't have the other dimension to even see below the surface. Right, right. Oh, I'm chuckling because I recently read a book called The Devil You Know, which is a, mm -hmm. a novella. It's a deal with the devil story by K.J. Parker. And um, in it, there's a philosopher. And this philosopher is the one who's going to make a deal with the devil. But he's like, you know, I, I need some more time because uh, I can convince people that um, God does not exist and all this other stuff. And he was explaining philosophically how he could come to that conclusion. And then the demon is like, but I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. how can I be if, uh, you know, you're making a deal with the devil and you're telling me that God doesn't exist. Um, it's, it's kind of the same <laughs> yeah. thing. You know what I mean? You can't have one without the other. Really. Right. Exactly. So it's like, how does this vampire exist? Um, how, how, how can that, you know, how can that be there? Right. What, yeah, it, what is no this? What is this supernatural stuff? You know, what is that? 
what is evil, you know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, how can that exist without good, you know? Because that's what evil is, right? It's, it's, not, it's not its own thing. It's an absence. Yes. And um, you make me think, because today is, as you were oh, reminding yes. me earlier, the feast day mm-hmm. of the archangels. Yeah. Michael. Gabriel, Raphael. Yes. And I was reading something that um, Pope, I, I think it was St. Gregory the Great. He had a big, long homily on this, on angels. And he talked about the fact that there are spirits. And he said they are not angels until they are messengers, because the word angel means messenger. Mm-hmm. And so I was just thinking about that when you're talking about how can there be a vampire? And I'm like, oh, yes, because we know there are spirits that did not agree with God, that had a huge battle that Michael cast out because who is like God is what yeah, his name means. Right, right. And um, that's the message he brings hmm. is he casts out evil. And I thought, so it doesn't matter how or why she's a vampire. There is, it is evil. The spirit of evil is there, mm-hmm. which is everything that is not good. They've cast out and rejected God completely. God who is all good. Right. Yep. The absence of God, right? Mm-hmm. They're turning away. In any form. In any form, none right. Of the, none of the splinters of light, as Tolkien would say. Mm. I mean, you're right. You What you said, everything that's good is being used and twisted for evil purposes. The idea of friendship, the idea of a sweet, innocent, early idea of romance for him. Yeah. Um, protection. All those little community, mm-hmm. all the things he doesn't have is what she's offering him. Without without the community, he was taking those first steps and no one was telling him to beware. You know, don't yeah. do that. You know, beware of that. You know, right. community needs to say that. Community needs to, to stand up and say that. But and he, he didn't have it. for good. Yeah. Those good things. If he had had that around him, you know. Chances mm-hmm. are he would have not done that. Yeah. So also I was thinking about um, this is something else we were talking about a little, where sometimes evil has to win. You know, I don't like movies where th- there's no winning, yeah. <laughs> where <laughs> the good, their good is not shown to prevail. But this shows you why, because we have to see the cost. We have to understand the danger. Mm. And we have to understand also the difference that God makes, that light makes. Yep. And this is important. And so there's a quote that you see a lot, maybe around this time of year, from John Paul II's Letter to Artists. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you know of that, but it's on the Vatican website. And this is just a tiny touch of it. But he says... Um, Insofar as it seeks the beautiful fruit of an imagination which rises above the everyday, art is by its nature a kind of appeal to the mystery. Even when they explore the darkest depths of the soul or the most unsettling aspects of evil, artists give voice in a way to the universal desire for redemption. Mm, Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. He says, you know, it seeks the beautiful. Mm-hmm. Fruit of an imagination which rises above the everyday. But in appealing to the mystery, sometimes you have to explore the darkest depths. Hmm. Yeah. 
Love that. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think about Stephen King, you know, and his brand of horror. So mm. it's like he's doing that. But so much of Stephen King's stuff has this really beautiful humanity thing to it, you know, like mm-hmm. The Stand, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we've I'm read, we've read, I think, our favorites of his. Yes. Um, and I'm reading Fairy Tale right now, which is his new one that just came out. Uh-huh. And God is a little bit present there too, because oh. in the, uh, without spoiling anything, there's a, a kid at the beginning who's having some trouble in his family life, and he prays, like we all do, dear yes. God, if you would please do this thing, I promise to do this thing. And uh, well, God seems to come through, so mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a motivator for this kid to do the thing right he's mm-hmm. he's trying to pay it back and yeah. um, and that's his part of his motivation and that's beautiful man i mean i just i just love that uh, it's just not something you see in a lot of uh modern things no um because the other person who does that of course is dean Koontz. yes absolutely who writes right. about <laughs> some of the horror he puts in is just horrific literally but there's always redemption somewhere. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of his lined up to read this October. <laughs> ah. <clears throat> yeah. It? I think it's called One of Them's One Door Away from Heaven. Oh, yes. That one I like a lot. And the other one is The Big Dark Sky, which just came out um, by Dean Koontz. Right. That is, yeah. I couldn't remember the name. With a name like that, it can't possibly <laughs> not be awesome. So... <laughs> and by Dean Koontz, no less. I like your optimism. <laughs> You're always so like, I'm going to read the next one. And I'm so always like, I'm going to wait and see what the reviews look like. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like that. You know, I haven't kept up with my M. Night Shyamalan, though. Uh, I, haven't, oh. I haven't seen Old. Mm-hmm. And then there's a new movie coming out um, that I want to see. I don't think it's out yet, but um, I can't even remember the name of that. But I'm falling behind because I keep telling you, yeah, I keep watching his movies, looking for the next signs. <laughs> you know, I, I'm trusting yeah. that it's in him and he's going to do it sometime. Yeah. Yeah. And he can. Mm-hmm. You can't tell. He's just uneven. Yes. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So it is called the new one, Knock at the Cabin. I'm already terrified. It's out in the middle of the woods. I'm already scared to death. Yeah, cabin in the woods, you know, what could possibly happen? Yeah. You know, it's always a good thing to do. Everything can happen. That's right. That's right. Because you're out in the wilderness. And, of course, the wilderness is where, in the Bible, don't go to the wilderness, really. Unless God tells you to go, (laughs) stay out of the wilderness. Then you go. It's disordered. It's chaotic. Bad things are out there. For sure. Of course. Here we were in the middle of a city, although it didn't feel like a city. It felt like a bunch of disconnected buildings. I mean, it's just everything was isolated. The buildings from each other, the people from each other. And that's, of course, the key. Mm. You know, if you're not around other people, you get weird fast. And other I think people so can too. Be annoying. Yeah. We all know it. We've all got those sandpaper people that we're also <laughs> sandpaper for where we're having to rub off the rough edges of each other. But, yeah. you know, you got to have people. You got to. You know, you, you've got to talk about your ideas, too. Because um, you got to bounce them off people, you know? <laughs> right. You know, I, I know I've said this before in a podcast, but I, have a, I had a friend or have a friend. I just haven't seen him for a good long time. He's in Washington. 
mm. um, who was a, an Anglican priest. And um, he used to tell me, yeah, you, you, you always got to talk about your ideas in community. It, <laughs> it needs to be yeah. vetted, right? That's what you do. Right. <laughs> right. You don't just sit there by yourself and uh, write manifestos. Not that that's what I was doing. <laughs> it was just a nice observation, you know? Yeah, but you just don't have a sense of perspective, and perspective is given by hearing other people's points yeah, of view. You can, you can think awful good about some idea that's not at all right. something that you should do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, this, this let the right one in. I mean, it, it, it is compelling enough that it got a, and not only one remake, but two. two? <laughs> so, so there was an American version mm-hmm. starring, um, I think it was Chloe Moretz. It's what's her hmm. name. Do you know her? <clears throat> um, I think it was called let me in. Oh, if right. That's right. Yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz. And then, um, just coming right up, is it's either out or going to be out, and Showtime is a series called Let the Right One In. So now we'll have, um, you know, multiple episodes. Right. Ugh. Right. So I don't know if that's the novel again or if it's something, you know, that's moving forward. Something else. So yeah. let's, let's um, this is something I did mean to mention, and mm-hmm. this is a perfect uh, lead-in, which is the American one's called Let Me In. Right. The Swedish one's called Let the Right One In. So is the book, yeah. Who do you invite in? Hmm. He's not given other good options. That's but right. But do you let that person in or hmm. do you let the right one in? Yeah. I don't know what the author intended. I mean, I'm just assuming this is all shown as being horrible and the hmm. author wrote the screenplays. I'm just guessing. Do yeah. not let that one in. <laughs> but you one. have to choose who you let in. You do. Who do you invite in? That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Who your community is is important. And who you worship. Yep. You know, are you going to be like poor Oscar's going to be and the familiar mm-hmm. who he clearly worshiped her? Yeah. As much as you can worship a thing or a monster or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you what who's who's the right one? Yeah. Well, of course, might I have yeah. one answer, and that's, you know, <laughs> I'm yep. going to get down on it, man. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We know the answer. We know the answer to that That's one. right. Yeah. Right. And but he anyway, was never given yeah. that choice, was he? Mm-mm. Yeah, that is an interesting title when you think about it. I mean, what is meant by that? In the, in the context of this movie, um, did he have an opportunity to do something different? Um, it's not like he rejected something and took her. He had Mm-mm. nothing and took her, right? He had no right. choices and, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But it is good advice though. Let the right one yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe letting the right one in means you've got to say no to the other ones until the right one comes along. Mm. There's not always two choices right in front of you. Yeah. The right choice may be later. Right, right. All the things that he wants, his friend, all the things. Maybe those come along next year. Hmm. Yeah. But we don't know. We do not. Interesting. Wow. And he's not got that chance anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless he meets somebody, you're not given that indication either. It's just you're given this very sad final picture. Right. 
and he's finally happy. Yep. All I could think at the end was, having seen this twice, I was like, how is he going to be helping her? I mean, until he gets old enough, he can't go around, you know, bringing her blood. Yeah. <laughs> right. I guess they just have to move around in populated areas, and she goes gets her stuff until he gets old enough to help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this movie is bleak, but man, was there a lot to talk about. <laughs> Yes, it is well written. It's mm-hmm. well constructed. You know the 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 bullies versus the vampire, and you know talk about being between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. But yeah. Yep. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Good. Good choice. Of well, thanks. Yeah. Evil. But it did. It was purely secular, and um, I thought we'd follow that up with something secular. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not really, but yeah, sure, great. Let's let's go. Let's oh my go gosh, yeah, secular. I didn't even realize that I was doing. It's like I'm railing against uh, postmodernism, but um, Rosemary's okay, let's Baby. Do that thing. Rosemary's oh, yeah. Baby is the next one, and, yeah. and we're going to read the book. Although the book and the movie are so very close to each other, um, they're practically the same. Um, so, uh, but by Ira Levin, Rosemary's Baby, the novel. But this way, I don't have to see Mia Farrow's haircut. So That's I'm very, very fine true. with the book. That's very, very true. Yes. <laughs> so there, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a good friend. <laughs> and as uh, as my son-in-law said when I was saying, oh, here's what we're going to do for Halloween or for October for the podcast. And he said, well, you can be thankful that you aren't watching Rosemary's Baby and reading Let the Right Man. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Scott chose perfectly. <laughs> you bet. Oh, Those that's sound like great. worse options. That so, is too yeah. fun. That is too fun. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Well, I hope you're enjoying October, everyone. Um, and I hope that you have a great October. Hey, on the way out, yes. let's say a quick uh, St. Michael Oh, prayer. let's do that. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. St. Michael. Pray yes, for St. Michael. Mm-hmm. Pray for us. Saint Raphael. Pray for us. Pray for us. Saint Gabriel. Pray for us. Pray for us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yep. Love it. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Talk to everybody in a couple weeks. Yeah, thanks everyone. Talk to you in a couple weeks. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.